We're going to continue in our series this morning in training for godliness. We still have that cool little slide somewhere? That's all right. It's not a big deal. But the, the, the series we're going through right now is, is training for godliness. And it's, it's based out of a verse in 1 Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4, 7. It says, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Both the present life and the life to come. We talk about this idea of training for godliness, disciplining ourselves for godliness. Yeah, it holds value for now and also the present life. So that's what we want to continue to talk about this morning, this idea of training ourselves for godly living. I got a uh, kind of a, a crash course reminder yesterday of what it is to train. Okay, now, you know, I, I know uh, Wade will think I'm a wuss for even bringing this up, but I went out to Camp Dodge yesterday, and they have this little, um, this little leadership training obstacle course. You ever seen that out there? Okay. Yeah, he's already laughing at me. So, um, so I went out there, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm pretty big stuff, that there's about 12 guys out, of, out there that are going to do this. And, you know, they, they said it was designed initially kind of as a, a leadership training, I think, you know, back in one of the... Uh, either World War One or World War Two, and, and so they designed this little obstacle thing as a, as a training course. So there's 12 of us going to go out there, and you know, if you know me well, you know it's right up my alley. This type of thing. Um, so we we go out there. It's uh, there's 12 different little sections or, or um, you know, kind of obstacle things that we're going to go through. Each one is kind of divided up, so you can't see what the next one's doing. So we have a team of six, and there's another team of six, and essentially we're kind of racing. So what the obstacles are basically is one of them, the first one we're on, you know, they give you a little scenario, hey, you know, you're a POW, you got to get to the other side, and you're climbing up these things, going over this fence, and then dropping down on the other side, uh, you know, easy for a, a guy of my, my physical, you know, physique. But so, we're, you know, one of the first ones we did, we had to throw these little uh, iron rods over, and then we had to shimmy across the water. There's, it's not deep water, but it is nasty water, all right, it's all green, you can't see past the first layer, so you had to shimmy across and you had to bring this big barrel with you. The next one, uh, you, had to, you had to climb up in these little cylinder things, and you don't know what's on the other side, so you, you climb up in the cylinder thing, it's all water, I had to bring this board up. See, they gave me, uh, my, my job, as they, they called it, is I was going to be recon, okay? All right, now, it sounds glorious and pretty cool until you realize that the reason, what it really is, you're, you're going first, all right? So if something happens, we know what we're supposed to do. And something happened a few times as uh, I'm crawling on one thing and there's this little gravel pit and had to go over this water barrel and then I'm throwing another two by four and you got to, you know, crawl on this little two by four over this little cylinder. I go over the cylinder, there's bars hanging out both sides of it and the board slips. I fall and just nail my leg right here. I got the biggest Charlie horse of my life running my leg. Another time I'm crawling up this, you know, this little wall and coming down the other side, and I slip and fall, and I got this big old rope burn right there, but not necessarily, uh, you know, something that uh, I excel at. But I was reminded of this idea of training, right? You know, Wade knows it, that that's not really much of anything when it comes to training for military, but they train for something, right? They're training to be ready for battle. We were training and doing this leadership thing, training, getting ready for it. And oftentimes you need what? You need the right equipment, right? These shoes, six years old, didn't hold up as I'm going down this hill. But to be prepared and trained for it. I was reminded of it as well this week watching NBC, and uh, Brian Williams was doing, or somebody else, it was, it was that show, and they were doing this, this story about Gabby Douglas. 
you guys heard of Gabby Douglas? Gabby Douglas is that, that Olympian. She's 16 years old. She's going to be one of, the, uh, you know, one of the featured Olympians this year here in a few weeks. But Gabby Douglas is uh, a gym, gymnast. She's 16 years old. She started when she was six years old. They talked this story about how, you know, her mom says, okay, it's just going to be an occasional Saturday morning thing. And so she took her on a Saturday morning. All of a sudden, what it turned into? Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They're going all across the country for meets. She takes a second job. And this little girl, not even a teenager yet, was spending 35, 40 hours a week training for something. Eventually, a few years ago, she moved up to West Des Moines to go to Chow's. Right, because she wanted to excel. She wanted to spend time training. And now the Olympics are here. And this is what she's been training for. This is why she did it. This is why she put in the hours to be, be prepared for that. And, that. and that's what training is, right? That we're training ourselves, getting ourselves ready for something. So when Paul says, train yourself to be godly, discipline yourself for godly living, that's what it is. It doesn't come easy right? It doesn't come natural. Oftentimes, we may fall flat on our face, a few bumps and bruises along the way, and we ask God, God, we, we need your help. We need your spirit to lead and guide us in this. It's not easy. It's not easy. And these things we've talked about, prayer and evangelism and studying and reading the word, they don't come easy. We have to develop habits. We have to develop a lifestyle that these things are a part of. So we want to train ourselves to be godly. We also want to be reminded that, that this training, you know, is not that, that we can obtain something. We've talked about it before, but it's because of what we have already obtained, because of my relationship with Jesus, because of the finished work on the cross. I want to train. I want to discipline myself. I want to prepare myself for this, not, not so I can get it, not, not so I can have a relationship with God, but because I already have it, because of what he's already done for me. On the cross. So that, that, that's what we're talking about. And this series is kind of coming to an end today. But we want to challenge you and encourage you, you know, don't, don't just walk away and say, you know, that, you know, Mark gave a great message on giving. I might give sometime. You know, we, we heard a great message on evangelism. We were challenged to get into the word. We were challenged to pray. You know, we heard about fasting. We don't want to just, oh, that was a good message and walk away. We want to ask ourselves, okay, in the last two months, have we actually done these things? Have I spent time prayer, praying? Have I spent time communing with him in fasting, in meditation, in prayer? Have I studied the word as my father-in-law challenged us with or told people about what Jesus has done and who Jesus is like Nick challenged us with? Or, or have I challenged and looked at my heart of giving like Mark looked at last week? We don't want to just talk about it and then do nothing. We want to act on it. We train so we can actually do it. You know, this story about Gabby Douglas, what was she going to do? Uh, it was a few months ago. She talked about, you know, she'd had enough. She wanted to give up. Has that made any sense? You come that far, you train all your life, and the goal is right there. Right? We train ourselves for this. We train ourselves for godly living. So we're going we're gonna to wrap it up this morning. This is the last in the series of, of this training for godliness. And the topic today is serving. Serving. And so there's three things I want to look at. If you have notes, and I know you all take notes when I speak, but if, you have no, if you're taking notes, first, the first one is the explanation of a servant. Explanation of a servant. The second one is the example of a servant. Example of a servant. 
And the last one is the expectation of a servant. Explanation of a servant, example of a servant, and expectation of a servant. Uh, before I start, let, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that we can get into your word. We can be challenged with this idea of, of disciplining ourselves and training ourselves for godly living. God, we recognize that this isn't easy. That's why we're talking about training, that it takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort to do this. God, we want to develop habits that help us to draw into a deeper relationship with you. And God, as we do it, we just want to do more of it. So this morning, we ask that you would challenge us, not, not just with this idea of serving, but all these things, all these ideas of praying and studying and, and telling others about Jesus, that, that we would actually put them into practice, not just talk about them, not, not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so three things. The first one is the explanation of a servant. Here, here's what Webster says service is. Service is defined to act on behalf of another, to act on behalf of another. And this is kind of the heart of what a servant looks like. At the heart of serving, at the heart of service, is acting on other people's behalf, to act on behalf of another. The Bible defines it, and I don't want to spend a lot of time uh, in it, but Philippians chapter 2. Uh, next week, we're having a recap of kind of the missions trip, and then we're starting a series in Philippians. So I don't want to steal anybody's thunder with this, but Philippians chapter 2 defines it this way. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Uh, that, that's a concept and idea that's, that's foreign to the world, isn't it? How many times do you hear, uh, don't, don't worry about yourself, look to the interest of others, put interest of others ahead of yourself. In humility, consider others better than yourself. What an awesome concept. What an awesome idea. I was challenged one time somebody came up to me, and it was a person I respected, but they said, Kyle, every now and then, you know what? You need to think about yourself. You need to think about yourself. Did Jesus ever think, put his own thoughts, his own agenda ahead? What, what, what did Jesus do? Jesus always had the heart of a servant. Jesus never looked to his own interest. Jesus gave us this great picture of what a servant is to look like. Not my own interest, not what I want, to the interest of others. We get a great picture of it in Jesus. I've mentioned it before, but the Purpose Driven Life, I love the opening line of that book. This life is not about you. That defines the heart of a servant. It is not about you. Being a follower of Jesus, being someone who pursues the kingdom of God, who wants to be like Jesus and do the things Jesus did, man, is to have that kind of heart. That this life is not about me. Then I'm going to consider others better than myself. What an awesome thought. What an awesome concept. Foreign to what the world teaches. Foreign to what the world believes. But it's what Jesus wants from us, to have that kind of heart, putting others ahead of ourselves. So that, that's, that's the explanation of what a servant is. That, that's the heart of what a servant is to look like. The second thing is the example of a servant. The example of a servant. Two, two passages, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the first, but there's a story in John chapter 3 I know you many, many of you are familiar with. But the story in John chapter 13 is the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. You've read that story. Peter comes up. He's coming to Peter. Oh, don't wash my feet. Don't, I, I should be washing your feet. 
didn't fully understand yet. And if you look at the next couple stories we're going to look at here in John chapter 3 and Mark 10, these were stories the disciples just not, didn't quite get it. They didn't quite understand yet what Jesus was looking for, why Jesus had come, and the example that Jesus was giving, that Jesus wasn't come, coming to be served, but he was coming to serve. And John missed it there, and, or uh, Peter missed it there. But Jesus gives us this great example in John chapter 13. And what he does is he goes around and he washes all of the disciples' feet. Right? And then he tells them to go, you guys, go and do the same thing. And he's teaching them what a servant is to look like in action and in word. Jesus gives us that example of a servant. And he tells them to go do the same thing. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced washing someone's feet or, or somebody washing your feet. Man, it's a, it's a humbling experience. And I've had it happen, and it was a time of, you know, of, of restoration and forgiveness. And what a humbling experience. And I think that's the picture that Jesus wants us to get. Not, not only to wash someone's feet, but to have your feet washed. I know the, the youth group has done it on a mission trip, and we used to do it every, every graduation when we, we'd send off our seniors. Because we wanted to give them a picture that this is what leadership is. This is what a servant is. I heard a quote, not sure who said it, but it says, if you are not marked by servanthood, you're not marked by Christ. That, that being a servant is what Jesus wants. And if we are marked by that, we are marked as being a follower of Jesus. Because it's the heart of, what Jesus, of who Jesus is, right? That he's a servant. I mean, we see it here in John chapter 13, and we see it in Mark chapter 10. And I want to read in Mark chapter 10 the story. Here's what it says. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, we will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong for those who may have been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentile lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the story, right? James and John, brothers, they come up to Jesus. What do they want? Jesus, here, here's our request. Here's what we want. One of us, we want to be at your right. One of us want to be at your left. What, what are they wanting? They want power. They want authority. They want recognition. They want people to kind of look up to them like these guys are it. These guys got it going on. They want power. Okay, that's what James and John want. They recognize Jesus. They know who he is, and they recognize what he can give, and they come to him, and they ask him for it. At our right and your left, that's where we want to sit. Jesus, he shows us in John chapter 3, and he reminds the disciples here. Remember, they, they still just don't quite get it. They don't get what Jesus is all about, what he's here for. So here they are. They're talking. They want a power. They want a position of power. 
They want a position of authority, and Jesus tells them what? No. If you want to be great, you got to be a servant. If you want to be first, you need to be a slave. See, the world, Jesus says, they look at it, yeah, lord it over them. That's what these kings and these rulers, they lord it over people. And that's what the world looks at as a position of power and authority. But what I'm telling you is the exact opposite. If you want to be my follower, you need to be marked by servanthood. If you want to be with my follower, you need to be a servant. If you want to follow me, you need to be a slave to all. That's what Jesus is calling us to. That's what he called the disciples to, to live a life of servanthood, to be a servant. And ultimately, Jesus gives us the greatest picture ever of what a servant is, doesn't he? Right there, Mark 10, 45, what does he say? For even the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, here I am, right? I'm the Son of Man, the Son of God. I'm the Messiah. If there's ever a person who deserved to be served, isn't it Jesus? Isn't there any person that ever deserved to walk this earth and be served? It was Jesus. But what does he say? I didn't come to be served. I came to serve, and ultimately, what did he do? He acted, remember that Webster definition, to act on someone else's behalf? He acted on our behalf. And the greatest act of service known to man is Jesus Jesus going to the cross, acting on our behalf taking our sin, taking our wrongdoing upon himself on the cross. That is the heart of the gospel. That is the heart of who Jesus is and why he came, to take our sin, our shame, our pain, our our wrongdoing upon himself on the cross. And the greatest act of service that we know is Jesus on the cross. He acted on my behalf. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. That is the gospel. That is the truth of scripture. That is what we want you to grasp. Ahead of anything else, we can tell you to pray, read, fast, give, study, or do all that stuff. But if we miss the heart of it, if we miss Jesus on the cross, then it's pointless to train and and discipline and do all that other stuff. The heart of it is the service, the servant Jesus dying for us. It's the heart of the gospel. It's the heart of the Bible. It's why we follow Jesus, because of what he has done for us. It's why we train. It's why we discipline, because he loved us, because he acted on our behalf. The example of a servant, and Jesus gives it to us, doesn't he? Jesus giving his life up for us. Jesus, the servant, and he has called us to follow him. He has called us as disciples of Jesus to be like him, to follow him, to pursue the same things. That is the example of the servant. That is what the heart of a servant looks like. So that's what we want to be. When we talk about this idea of serving, man, that's what we want. We want to have that kind of heart. We want to be like Jesus, that we understand that if I want to be first, I got to be a servant. If I want to be great, I got to be a slave be marked by servanthood. A follower of Jesus is marked by being a servant. That is the example of a servant. The last thing we want to look at is is kind of the expectation of a servant, right? The expectation 
of what a servant looks like. The expectation as me, a follower of Jesus, marked by servanthood, man, there's an expectation. There's things that I should be doing in this idea of service, in this idea of serving, right? Uh, You think of the verse, Micah 6a, and to do what the Lord requires of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God, to love justice, mercy, that we are feeding the poor, that we're taking care of the widows, we're taking care of children, we're taking care of people in need. That's what acting on other people's behalf is, right? That's what being a follower of Jesus is, right? That's what being marked by servanthood is, being marked by Christ, is acting on other people's behalf, stepping up in those situations, not not because of duty or guilt, but because of what the cross means, because of that act of servanthood. And so we're called to these things, to take care of those things, to take care of those people. And ultimately, there's some scripture I could share with you here, but ultimately, God has given us Followers of Jesus, people who have made a decision to follow Jesus, have trusted Jesus, we have been given a spiritual gift, okay? And we talk about this idea of service and serving. We are called to use our gifts to enhance the kingdom. We are called to use our gifts for the betterment of the church, all right? And there, are, there is scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, so again, if the two or three of you that are taking notes, 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Romans, or 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, Romans 12, 6 through 8, Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. They're a great list. If, if you have struggled and thought, you know, what, you know what, what, what am I supposed to be doing in the church here? Or what, what is the gift that God has given me? I, I encourage you to read through these passages, study them, get to know them, and ask other people, you know, what, what do you think my gift is? And when we figure out what our gift is, we better be using it. We better be getting after it. God has called us to use our gifts for the kingdom. Let me read Ephesians 4, 11, and 13. It says this. It was one of the passages I give you to read. But it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Catch the end of that again. Here's what it says. After he lists those items, he says, to prepare. All right, it was he who gave some to prepare God's people for works of service. God has given us these gifts. And I'm just going to list off few, but there's service, there's teaching, uh, there's encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, wisdom, knowledge, uh, faith, evangelism, pastor, teacher, hospitality, things, gifts that God has given us that we should be using. And I encourage you and challenge you as we talk about this idea of service, figure out what your gift is and then get to using it. Start using your gift for the church. Because what's he say? We've got to be using our gifts to help each other mature, to look like Jesus, to build each other up in the faith. So I encourage you, I challenge you, read through those passages, ask other people, you know, what, what is my gift? What is, what is it that God, the gift that God has given me that I should be using? And then use it. Go, go get involved in the church. Help the church grow by using your gift. We are better off if everyone in this, in this church is using their gift, aren't we? We are so much better off if that's happening. 
if we decide not to, not to serve and not to use our gift, man, not only are you missing out, but every single one of us in this room are missing out. It's for the betterment, not only of yourself, but of the church. It's the growth for not only your growth in, in beginning to look like Jesus in this pursuit of the kingdom, but for the growth of the entire church. So we want to use our gifts. We're expected to use our gifts. And it's cool when people just kind of see that. You know, some gifts are much more evident. Some are more behind the scenes. But, man, you see a guy like Larry every week in, in the trailer, right? You see guys like Mike Johnson. I don't know how this church would function without him. Mike does everything. Guys using their gifts for the kingdom. Now, now I may not have the gift of service and those type of things, but it doesn't mean I don't ever, should never pick up a chair. I may not have the gift of evangelism, but it doesn't mean that I don't ever tell somebody about Jesus. You know, giving may not be a gift, but it doesn't mean I don't ever give. We still want to do all those things. You know, we can read through that list. And hospitality may not be a gift, but it doesn't mean I don't have people over. You know, those may not be our individual gift, but we still are to do them. But figure out what your gift is, figure it out, and do it. And help the church grow and mature because of it. There's practical things we can do. Obviously, we're involved in, in things like the, with the Johnson School, uh, you know, with, with Angela Hunt. She'll send us emails, and it gives us chances to get involved. So I encourage you, when things like that pop up, man, get involved. Help people move. If you got an extra couch sitting around, man, give it to somebody who could use it. That we're doing acts of service. That we're getting involved in the community. I want to leave you with one last thought. We, we talked earlier in John chapter 13 and Mark chapter 10, and it was the disciples, right? Peter not wanting Jesus to wash his feet. You know, James and John wanting that position of authority. They didn't quite get it. But somewhere, these guys got it, didn't they? You see a life transformed, lives changed. I look at John. Here was a guy who came to him, Jesus, he wanted to be in a high position. But somewhere, maybe it was at the cross, maybe it was at the empty tomb, maybe it was later, but John understands, and John begets, begins to get it, that, man, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm to be marked by servanthood. Revelation, John is the author, John writes it. He says something in verse 2. He calls himself a bond slave or a bond servant. What a bond servant was was somebody who was born into slavery, right? A, a bond slave was somebody, let's say, this is my mom, let's say my mom was a slave her entire life, and, and thus, me being born, I'm born into slavery. And so my master now, we'll call Grant my master, he's good enough, he's good at ordering people around. So Grant's my master, okay? And I'm born into slavery, and I, I'm serving Grant, I, I'm his, whatever he tells me to do, I do, all right? But there comes a time a point in time when Grant said, you know what, Kyle, I appreciate and I love you. And I appreciate all that you've done to serve me. But now I'm going to set you free. Okay, you're free. You're free. Go do whatever you want. You no longer are my slave. You no longer are my servant. But Grant's a good guy, right? And I love what Grant has done for me. And I love the kind of master that Grant has been. And now I make a choice. Although given the choice at freedom... I choose to remain a slave. That's what a bond servant was. A, a person who was a servant, a slave, given the choice at freedom, but chooses to remain a slave. 
they would go and they'd drive a stake through their ear and then they'd fill it in. And so you'd recognize that person, that this was a person who was given the choice of freedom but chose to remain a slave. And that's what John says right here. Doulos is, is the Greek word, bond slave. That given the choice of freedom, he chooses to remain a slave. That's what Jesus has done. All right, on the cross, that greatest act of service known to man, Jesus has given us freedom. Freedom. We have been freed from our past. We have been freed from our pain. We have been free from, from the slavery of sin. Jesus has freed us. But John says, yes, I have been set free by the work on the cross. I have been set free by what God has done for me through his son Jesus. But now I'm going to choose to remain a slave. I'm going to choose to be a servant. Somewhere along the line, John got it. He understood it, that, yeah, I need to be marked by servanthood. I need to be a slave. To be great in the kingdom of God is to be a slave, is to be a servant, to have the heart of a servant, that, that idea of bond slave, a bond servant. Once a slave to my past, to my sin, I was there, right? I was there. I was once a slave to those things, to my sin, to my past, to my hurts, to my pains, and Jesus set me free. What an awesome thing. What an awesome act of service that God has done for me through his son Jesus on the cross. And now, because of what he has done, and because I've been set free, Jesus, I want to be a slave. Jesus, I want to serve you. Jesus, I want to be marked by servanthood because I love you. What a master you are. What a teacher you are. And this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has called us to, to be different than the world, right? That's a lot different than the world, to be marked by a slave, to put, to put others ahead of yourself, to consider others better than yourself, to act on other people's behalf. It doesn't come natural. It's not what the world teaches, but it's what Jesus calls his followers to. It's what Jesus calls those who pursue the kingdom of God to live like, and to be a bond slave. So given the choice of freedom, I choose to follow Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for that act of service you gave us on the cross through your son, Jesus. God, what a gift. God, what an act of service that Jesus would give his life as a ransom for many. I deserved it. It should have been me. I should be punished for my sin and my wrongdoing and my past and all of that. But Jesus acted for me on the cross. What a gift. What a thing that you have done. And God, we want to train and we want to discipline and we want to pursue you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength because of what you have done for us. Because you loved us first because Jesus went to the cross, because Jesus took my sin, my shame, and my pain, and my past and put upon himself on the cross. Thank you for what you have done through Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. <laughs>